International Orienteering Podcast Mapping Compass Navigation Skill Orienteering Competition International Orienteering Podcast International Orienteering, welcome to again uh, to a new episode. Um, we have got into November now and uh, some uh, orienteers, orienteers may have uh, off-season, but... Uh, we will not take any time off. We will keep it going during also the dark season here at Even National. It's a lot of news to talk about also in this episode. And we have Thomas Schivda as a special guest today talking about his season in 2023 and further ambitions for seasons coming up. But first of all, uh, in these times after the season, it's uh, also traditional. Uh, last uh, week it was this uh, Ballon d'Or in football. And uh, the Swedish Federation is uh, mailing out uh, where journalists are uh, voting for uh, Orienteer of the Year in Sweden. Uh, I've got such an email, uh, but uh, I suspect... Uh, Ivo National is not uh, represented because you have not uh, got uh, an email, uh, Ivo. No, and I, I think we should assume that you got your email for uh, for your role as the media representative for the Norwegian Federation. So yeah, uh, I expect next year that uh, I will also get an email of this for as representing Ivo National Orienteering Podcast in this uh, in this vote, as we are yeah one of the biggest international orienteering podcasts out there. So we should definitely be included. Uh, if we're not uh, the biggest, we are uh, definitely the best. I'm joking. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, you have not got it. Got this email, but uh, we can uh, take it just uh, on the heel here now. Uh, you should pick uh, top three uh, of the Swedish uh, orienteers. Uh, who is the best in 2023? Yeah, is it is it gender specific or is it just one vote? No, it's just one vote. Yeah, so then I think it's obvious that the two first spots would be Tuval Sanderson in first place and Sarah Hawksholm in second place. And then the third place, uh, I think it's either between Gustav Bergman, uh, third place overall World Cup, or Victor Svensk for his uh, uh, complete set of uh, Swedish championship title. But yeah, I mean, international results is always counting more. So Gustav Bergman in third place. Yeah, yeah, you took uh, his uh, third place in the overall World Cup. Uh, is uh, counting more than a uh, uh, good swept of uh, Swedish uh, gold medals and uh, national. Uh, then we, um, after this uh, challenge, uh, uh, we can uh, say that uh, the Norwegian coaches has had some challenge and challenges picking the Norwegian national team for 2024. It was officially announced uh, last week. Uh, have you seen any, uh, was it uh, surprises uh, here? I don't know if it's uh, any real surprises because I think it's been, uh, I think it's been coming a bit that uh, yeah, the national teams would be maybe a bit smaller uh, and also with a more heavier sprint focus that, uh, because it's the Sprint World Championship next year. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's obvious that uh, a lot of the older ones are, are out of the team. 
Uh, Magne Dele and Eskil Kineberg are both out, even if they officially they have not retired. And I think both of them are thinking about uh, thinking a little bit about world champs in Finland in two years' time, but they are out. Uh, Gerte Stever, he has announced his retirement and he is out, of course. And the same with Lucas Leland that is going to, to Brazil. Uh, then Camilla Stever is also out. Uh, I think that's not really a surprise because, yeah, she's had two years with uh, very few competitions after the World Championship in Czech Republic where she did, did well. Uh, I'm expecting her to be aiming for, for the World Champs in Finland in two years' time. But yeah, with a sprint year now, uh, and she has a small kid, so it makes sense to not be a part of the national team then. Um, but yeah, there are some some runners that are missing, um, which I think would not be missing if there was a Forest World Championship next year. Uh, yeah, yeah but we can uh, then we can tell who is in the team maybe. Also. Oh yeah, we, we can go quickly through it. So with the women's team, uh, it's an it's an A team and a next generation team that is under twenty three. Uh, previously, this under twenty three, this next generation team has been under twenty five, uh, but now it's under twenty three, and I think partly that's because there is quite a lot of young runners in the A team, um, so it wouldn't make much sense to have an under twenty five team when half the under twenty five people in the team are would then be in the A team anyway. Uh, so yeah, in the women's team, there is six in the A team: uh, Andrini Benjamin, of course, uh, Anne Dierkorn. Victoria Bjornstad, Marie Olausen, all of them have very, very big international results this year. Uh, Ingrid Lundanes is the fifth, and then um, Emma Arnesen is the last one in the A team. And then in the next generation team, we have three girls coming directly from the junior age, uh, with Pia Jongvik, Kristin Melby Jakobsen, and Ingeborg Eikeland. All of them were in the top six at Jaywalk. And then also Uda Schiele, that has been one year in the elite team already. Uh, so that's the ten. 10 women that is making up the team. Uh, and then on the men's side, we have 12 guys. So it's seven in the A team. Uh, with Kasper Fosse, of course, as the big name. Uh, we have Howard Eitzmo, which had a fourth place in the World Championship last year. Uh, we have Mats Eitzmo, the younger brother. Uh, we have Elias Jonsson, Erik Langedal Breivik. Both of them have been representing Anthony uh, the last few years. And the same also with Jürgen Barklid and Ulrich Gastrogarnesen. Uh, so that's seven seven guys in the A team. And then the under-23 team is Tobias Alsta, Cornelius Björk, Isaac Jonsson, Cornelius Löfald, and Sigurd Pelsen Vie. So yeah, overall, uh, most runners are mainly, actually, maybe mainly having results in the sprint internationally, especially on the men's side. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a bit thin on the forest side, and maybe we'll see the... Maybe we will see that when we come to the autumn season when the European Championship and the Forest World Cup in Finland is waiting. Uh, now we know that it's uh, Janus Salmi who is the main coach in the Norwegian team. Uh, he's uh, the guy who was uh, a main coach uh, before him, uh, Jürgen Rostrup. Uh, he had an objective rule uh, uh, for com- uh, coming to the A team. That was you had to be uh, top 10 internationally. Did single World Cup races count, as well, or was it just international championship? I don't remember. It was a single World Cup races also. Uh, yeah, so, if so by that the... standard, we would have had at least a couple of guys extra. Uh, because, yeah, in championships, on the men's side, it's only Kasper Fosser and uh, Howard Eidsmo that has been in the top. Uh, but, yeah, we have, I think, both Mats Eidsmo and Erik Langendal-Drevik had a top 10 this year in the World Cup races. 
Uh, Elias Jonsson, he has maybe a top 20. Uh, and the other ones, they have not that impressive results in the World Cup this year. Yeah, and of course, Cornelius Björk also had a very good knockout sprint in in European champs. But in the end, yeah, he, he after he messed up the semi-final, I guess he got a low top 10, 20 position. No, he, he was top 10 in the knockout there. Was uh, he top 10? Yeah, he was 10. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought he was further down in the in the semi-final, but then he he passed some guys after his mistake. Then, yeah, my bad. Uh, uh, but uh, but that's uh, that was uh, uh, that was uh, Rossop's criteria. But just uh, that we're not being just so subjective, but a bit objective, putting in some criteria, uh, telling uh, yeah, strictly. Um, but uh, we are missing some forest runners there. Yeah, um, and I mean it's quite obvious that the priority is being on short term uh, next season uh, and the focus on sprint. Um, and yeah, I mean some of the guys that were doing really really well at the Norwegian Championship, for example, with Sander Arnsen and Anders Westerl, I think they would have been in the team if there was a. Uh, a Forest World Championship next year. Uh, same on the women's side with uh, yeah, Marianne Andersson. She was in the top 10 at the World Championship. Uh, of course, she's getting old and older. Uh, and maybe she wouldn't have been taking part in the national team anyway. Uh, but she could have been a very strong candidate. Um, for example, Martin Weusschöven winning, winning in, in this last year's junior. Um, he, could have been, he could have been a strong candidate for the under-23 team. And I guess he has a very good chance to run himself into the team next year, but we will have to wait and see. Uh, yeah, I think as you uh, you're telling that uh, Marianne Arnason may not want to, to be in the national team. She also had an operation on her heel, uh, Achilles, uh, this uh, autumn. So, yeah, I think she will uh, do her... Uh, uh, training outside the team and uh, yeah, take part uh, when she qualifies for international uh, races. Uh, anything more about the Norwegian team uh, or should we jump to the Austrian team? No, we can jump to the Austrian team. Um, and here we see a slightly different structure. Uh, so while the Norwegian team has two different teams or two different groups, there is three groups in the Austrian team where you have the World Class group, the World Cup group, and the Challenge Challengers group. Uh, in the World Class group, there is uh, two runners, Janis Bonek, of course, and then also Matthias Gröll. Um, in the World Cup group, there is five men: Georg Gröll, uh, Nicolas Kastner, Lukas Novak, Matthias Peter, and Matthias Reiner. And then there is four guys in the challengers group that is young guys that um, yeah not made the uh, big results internationally yet. Uh, on the women's side, there is six in the World Cup group uh, with Annika and Jasmina Gassner, Anna Gröll, Ilvi Kastner, Karina Polsner, and Laura Ramstein. And then three more in the challengers group. So yeah, uh, some of the biggest names in Austrian orienteering the last few years are missing. Um, no surprise, of course, Ursula Kadan uh, or Ursula Fesselhofer is missing after she has retired. Um, last week, also Robert Merle announced that he was not going to apply for the national team next year. Um, so he is also stepping down a little bit. Uh, but I think we will still see him around. And he announced his big target for next season is Jukola with Jure Metzenkevia. And then also the, the, the grand old man, uh, the front figure of Austrian orienteering the last 
15 years. Uh, Gernot MCN, has, he said in the summer that this was the last world championship for him. And yeah, when he's age 40, has been running his last world championship, then uh, it makes sense that he's now in the team either. Uh, yeah, it was uh, after Mal uh, was not uh, into the team last year. Uh, and uh, then he also has, uh, I think he has two kids uh, now. And uh, now he will uh, head for uh, only the club relays with uh, his team, Turon Messen Kjevet. From Austria, we can travel to Iceland, where it was uh, some uh, orienteers uh, taking part in the Nordic champs in cross-country running uh, this uh, weekend. Uh, it was uh, Martin Regborn and Lisa Risby. Uh, and uh, Regborn, he was uh, not so far down on the winning Norwegian Evan Brandbodal. No, it was less than half a minute down. Uh, but of course, he had uh, Evan Brandbodal. He is not Jakob Ingebrigtsen, so of course it's not uh, it's not the top top international. Uh, Opposition for Martin Regborn here, but uh, yeah, I mean, 11th place, 27 seconds down uh, in a Nordic Championship in cross country. So it's a solid performance by an Orienteer at the end of a very, very long season. Uh, uh, in front of Jukla, we actually met Evan Bremodal in the airport in Helsinki, and we were joking because he has been uh, some into orienteering if he was going to Jukla, but then he was going to run a 1500 meters. Uh, race in uh, somewhere uh, around in Finland. So, uh, yeah, he has been into orienteering, but we don't count him as an orienteer. No, but I think his, his, his sister is taking part in Norwegian championship and Norwegian races quite often. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess with a little bit of special training, he probably could have been a decent guy for one of the unforked legs at Jumila. Yeah, we were joking about the first leg at the Jukla. So, uh, yeah, uh, but from um, uh, the men's to the women, and uh, and the winner here has a uh, has a father who runs orienteering, Simon Halle from uh, Sandefjord. It was Ina Hallehaugen who won, but uh, Lisa Riesby she was top ten, but it was uh, quite far down. Yeah, she was almost two minutes down, so there was a much much bigger spread among the women and among the men. Uh, but also, it was a bit funny to read uh, the news on the Swedish website when Lisa Gisby was selected for this, because it felt like uh, basically the Swedish Athletics Federation were, were out of runners, and they just called the Orienteering Federation and asked if, hey, do you have any orienteers that would like to go to Iceland? And then Lisa Gisby was, yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I don't think Lisa has been training so much uh, after the World Championship and the World Cup in Czech Republic. Uh, where she retired, so yeah, I don't think we should have been expecting her much, much higher up. No, uh, it was uh, quite, uh, quite uh, nice of her to take the challenge. Actually, when when she was uh, selected, uh, like you, you are telling here. No, uh, from um, Iceland, we are uh, taking the flight to Denmark, where it was some big news uh, last week. There is doing some. Uh, uh, are putting some money on the table in the forum. Yeah, uh... this is the this is the big news of the week, uh, and it's been very interesting to follow this. Yeah, the stuff about Danish orienteering because we I think we talked about it last week a little bit that uh, the Danish Federation had announced the restructure of the national team with a much smaller national team, 
Uh, and then first, uh, I don't know if it was Wednesday or something last week, uh, uh, it came a news article on the Danish Orienteering website where they yeah, put forward a bit of the direction for the elite work for the next four years, uh, where yeah, the big news is that they are not, uh, the Danish Federation are not uh, living up to the criteria that the Team Denmark uh, demands, uh, and therefore the the money they get from Team Denmark gets uh, incre decreased quite a lot, with more than half of it going away, which means that uh, yeah, the, the national team, it's not just enough to cut down on the runners. There's also need to cut down of the coaches and probably all the setup during the whole year. Uh, so big, big negative change for the Danish national team there. Uh, then the following day, uh, it came the big, big news uh, from yeah, Farum Uko and Farum Tisvilde. Uh, Farum Tisvilde is like a alliance club between Farum Uko and Tisvilde Hein, and they've been running the relays together internationally. Uh, so even if in Denmark it's two clubs, outside of Denmark they are one club. And here comes the big news with the, yeah, they were creating a new project to support the elite runners uh, in the Danish orienteering scene, uh, and with big, big ambitions for uh, for the big relays as well, uh, a five-year plan is out there with uh, with financing uh, around five million Danish kroner, and I think that equals about six and a half million euros uh, over. No, sorry, not six and a half million euros. Uh, six hundred fifty thousand euros uh, over five years. Um, so that's a that's a lot uh, lot of money, and I think you can create a very very good elite club for that money um, so it will be really interesting to see how it goes now with this project that has been named project 2028 uh, where the target is to create a proper elite club that both can challenge for the win in the big relays and also give danish elite runners a better opportunity and a better structure to to develop and to perform at and uh, this this will this is a massive uh... Yeah, massive act from uh, Forum and uh, yeah, Uko Forum and Tisvilla. But they did this, uh, they had uh, yeah, kind of the same in the uh, late uh, 90s when they had Karsten uh, uh, Jørgensen, Alan Mogensen, Chris Terkelsen running for uh, Forum Uko and also the international GBR uh, Great Britain runner Yvette Baker were running there. Yeah, and I think if you look back on the results from from those days, uh, they had some very good results uh, uh, in the big relays with the with the main result where Tiumila in 2000, where they finished uh, fifth place in the men's relay. Uh, they also had a couple more positions out, just outside top 10 before and after. And also at Jukola in this period, they had three times 10 results, uh, where the eighth place in 2005 was the best result. So obviously there is... Uh, yeah, there's uh, probably some old guys in the club that still that were around back then and are still eager to contribute to maybe coping or maybe even making it better now. Uh, and with yeah, with the with the with if you have the support crew around and you have the financing secured for five years, I think it should be possible to yeah to attract some some of the best Danish runners. Uh, but it's always very interesting to see how this turns out, uh, especially now because the last few years there's been such a big focus on 
yeah, creating this Danish elite center, both in orders, but also lately in Göteborg. So there's a lot of the best Danish runners. They are living in Gothenburg. They are running for the one of the three biggest Gothenburg clubs. So yeah, it will not be, I don't think it's so easy that you can assume that just all the national team runners will run for uh, for Fargo and Tisvilde, but we will have to wait and see how the how the silly season develop. Uh, yeah, actually, I spoke to the man behind this, Lars V. Jorgensen, yesterday. Uh, it was uh, just uh, by telephone, and the uh, sound was uh, too bad, so I could uh, unfortunately not uh, take it into this podcast. But uh, uh, he was. Uh, Saying that um, he is uh, nothing is melted in stone. Uh, they are quite dynamic in how this will turn out, and uh, so far it's a five-year plan, and um, uh, they are open to have foreign girls, and uh, they are hoping that the runners can stay other places than in Denmark and uh, around Forum. So yeah, they're quite flexible, and uh, yeah, they will uh, continually evaluate the, this. Uh, strategy so but they will have a meeting on uh, tuesday and uh, then they will uh, present this for uh, potential runners yeah and i was i was looking through a little bit of the results of the danish championship this year to see like you know what kind of runners do they have in these two clubs in fagermoko and in tisvildeheim and i was surprised to see that basically there's no elite runners running for fagermoko but there is quite quite a lot of them running for tisvildeheim uh, so especially on the women's side, if they get home those runners, that's a very good core of the team because both Agnes Nogokracht, Ida Öbro and Amanda Falk-Weber are running for Tisvildehein in Denmark. Uh, on the men's side, yeah, Emil Öbro is the biggest runner. So I, I would assume that that's where you start. You start with the runners that are a part of these two clubs. Uh, and then you, in the next step, of course, you try to include the guys that the is in the national team or the runners that are falling out of the national team now that uh, because because they the national team is getting so much smaller and then you see what you have uh, from there before you start building slowly but yeah i mean it's it's a bit late to start looking for runners in in the beginning of november uh, so yeah i i don't have too high expectations of the quality of the farm the team at the big relay next year uh, but maybe in two years' time, it will be looking a lot better. Uh, yeah, um, but we are um, uh, looking back on the 90s uh, when they had success with this in the men's side uh, uh, last time. And But the runners then were really good with uh, yeah World uh, Championship, uh, both medals and gold medals and uh, overall World Cup victories uh, for uh, Chris Harkelson. And uh, yeah. Could it be possible that, that they can make such good results, you think? Well, I think uh, to do that, you have to make the runners better. Uh, because if I, I in this project description, it was like, yeah, uh, we hope to be able to build a team that can challenge for the win at the big relays. And then the, it was like an example that, yeah, there, there is already enough quality in the Danish runners that you could you could make a Danish team winning Tiumila. And I don't see it as it is now, uh, because yeah, to win Tumila or yeah, to be in the top three, you need several runners that are top, top, top international level. Uh, and I think on the men's side, for example, there is just certain Tarnodum that has that level. 
Um, yeah, the other ones, there's plenty of guys that can fill their the roles of being like number five to number 10 in the Tumula team and do that really well. But they are lacking the guys. Yeah, I mean, if Søren Klonødi missed to run the last leg, he is still not, yeah, he's still not better than the runners in the other top teams. Uh, and it will be, I think it will be hard to get good enough runners to run, yeah, for example, leg eight and nine at the Umila. Um, and yeah, but of course, uh, it's the hard start is to even get there with to get Danish runners together to get all of them. Uh, but I think that even if you pick the 10 best runners from Denmark, uh, I don't think you would have a team that challenge for top five next year at Umila. Um, from this uh, news, we can uh, 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 travel um, further to uh, runners uh, in this silly season that we already know will change clubs. Yeah, so we had a big, big uh, discussion about silly season last uh, last week, uh, and then yeah, the next day after we had uh, dropped the uh, dropped the episode, there was a. Uh, quite a big news uh, coming out from Sweden uh, where Ville Johansson is leaving Kolmården to join Sturatuna and yeah Ville Johansson is not really a big name in Swedish orienteering uh, but he's one of those like really really solid guys yeah quite a bit away from the national team but still at the national scene very very good and have some experience from running really tough night legs at Timila Nikola and doing it well and we have spoken before that Sturatuna yeah, we have seen in Jukola, of course, that they are so good over seven legs, but they're struggling a bit over ten legs. And a guy like Ville Johansson will likely make a big, big difference uh, here. And yeah, I mean, this is definitely one step closer for Sturatuna to be able to to feel the team that uh, is strong enough to win Timila next year. I mean, they've been winning Jukola four times in a row uh, and have to be the favorites for, for winning number five. Uh, but yeah, they've been struggling at Timila. But yeah, with Willy Johansson in, and also uh, I think that the setup of Timila next year will suit uh, Sturatuna really well. Uh, so things are looking very good for Sturatuna right now. And there's also a girl uh, changing. Yeah, uh, not really. Uh, yeah, it's been a quite quiet week and we haven't had any big ones. But yeah, we have also the, the young Czech runner, Lea Martanova. Uh, which has been in the top five at the European Youth Champs uh, the last two years in Women 18. Uh, she has been changing now from Halden to Tittering. Uh, so yeah, she's not been running in the first team or second team in Halden in the big relays, but she's young and Tittering has a lot weaker women's team than Halden have. So yeah, she she might be a strengthening to the first team already next year, even if she's still a junior two more years. Uh, and then uh, the big uh, name in this uh, uh, dam or uh, the sea, uh, there every, that's uh, lots of clubs in Dolan are fishing after. Yeah, so every year there is some big runners changing clubs. Uh, sometimes uh, it's uh, quite obvious that it's going to happen. Uh, sometimes it's more uh, a question, is it going to happen or maybe next year, maybe in two years time. Uh, but yeah, one of the big talking points this winter will be Max Peter Beimer. Uh, he's been running for EF Göteborg for a long, long time. Uh, but now he's living in Fallen and he's been doing that for quite some time. Uh, so maybe this is the winter where he moves to a club where he lives. And then there's three good options. Uh, you have Stura Tuna as one of the obvious candidates. Um, you have Uko Kåre, the club from Fallen. 
and then you have Marlings, Uko, Skogsmordarna. Uh, a club that is not really based in Poland, but basically all their runners are living in Poland and they have a good training group there. Um, so you have three very good options uh, if he wants to leave Göteborg. And also, of course, there's a, a fourth good option in staying in EFK. Uh, so it be, will be really interesting to see what he what he chooses for. And I think all the clubs have different strengths and different weaknesses. Uh, so it can be really interesting because, yeah, I mean, going to Sturatuna is the obvious I want to, to win uh, move. Uh, I think maybe financially you you might get best the best option in Marlins or Kosskogsmordana. Uh, and then the option with Koer is also like the most logical in a way because yeah, he's living in Fallen. Uko Koer is the Fallen club. Um, so yeah, this I think this will be interesting to follow. And yeah, unless we get a, suddenly we get an announcement next week, it's something we can think about for, for, for a long time, I think. Uh, yeah, that that would be really interesting uh, to to see um, uh, about uh, next year. It's also interesting to see that uh, some runners uh, started some, uh, I would say, prep for uh, the Europeans next year by taking part in the Hungarian race Autumn Spartacus uh, Cup uh, this weekend. Um, was uh, some uh, yeah interesting name there and some interesting results. Yeah, some 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 very 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 good performances and some very big surprises. Uh, so it started with a long distance on Saturday, and in the women's class it was a complete domination by the uh, by the young Hungarian runners at home ground uh, with Rita Maramorosa winning almost three minutes out of Victoria Marg, and Sofia Sarkozy was more than six minutes down in third place. Uh, on the men's side, we I, it was a big, big surprise. And when I checked the results, I was I had to double check that it was really correct because, uh, in my opinion, a big, big surprise with uh, Pietr Divin winning two seconds out of Sultan Boydusu and five seconds out of Andreas Solberg, and with Timo Sild in fourth place, just under twenty seconds behind. So it was really close. And Pietr Divin he ran the jaywalk when it was in Hungary, was it 2017? No, 2018. Um, not any big results, and he's not been having any big results. And then yet this season in the national competition has been a bit better, but still quite far behind the runners like Sultan Boydoso and yeah, Aaron Baku and Terence Jonas and so on. Uh, but to win a race like this against, yeah, of course, against the best Hungarian runners, but also I guess very very solid foreign runners like Timo Sil and Andreas Hölberg. That's very very impressive. Uh, yeah, and it's quite interesting uh, uh, for uh, guys uh, within twenty seconds after running almost hundred minutes. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, what's the old saying that uh, if it's close in a long distance race, then it's bad level, isn't that the saying? Because if the if there's if there is good performances, there will always be big gaps. Yeah, one guy will uh, will uh, be uh, better than uh, all the rest, and then he is uh, showing his uh, class. Uh, yeah, but, but I mean, with the, I, I, of course, it's the end of the season, so it's hard to know. I mean, what motivation guys like Timo Sill is going into with these races, but beating Timo Sill and Andreas Solberg, then you are at a pretty high level internationally. So, yeah, I mean, if this Peter Devin guy can continue his improvement. Maybe next year he will be able to do 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 good results at European Champs at home ground. 
Uh, yeah, but uh, definitely there was a guy who uh, showed uh, class in the middle distance the day after, but uh, we could start with the women, of course. Yeah, so we start with the women. We're once again a full Hungarian podium. Uh, Rita Maramosi winning 20 seconds ahead of Sofia Sarkozy with uh, Vitura Marg in third place. And then there was a big gap from Vitura Marg in third place and down to the, yeah, the Swedish twins uh, Elin and Nelly Karlsson that was in fourth place and fifth place. So yeah, once again, solid uh, performance by the young Hungarian girls and they are showing that they're in, in the right terrain. They are, even if they're juniors or very, still very young, um, they are competitive at good level also in the elite class. And with one more year, uh, there's no reason to believe that they should be weaker next year. Uh, no, that definitely will be interesting to see uh, them, uh, yeah, both in the sprint races, uh... Uh, of course, uh, in the world champs, but also in the home soil, uh, in the forest there, and the Europeans. And one guy yeah, and then, who is... Uh, yeah, yeah and, then, and then, of course, we know that when, when the best girls are coming, it's, it's a whole different ball game with the, with, the, with the best Swedes and the best Swiss runners. But, yeah, I mean, a runner like Rita Marimorosi or Victoria Mag there, Marimorosi will still be a junior next year, and Mag would be a first-year elite runner. So, even if they can be in the top 10, top 15, that would be massive, massive performances uh, at the home European Champs. Uh, one guy who has performed massive earlier in Champs uh, was uh, winning the middle distance here uh, on Sunday. Yeah, Ruslan Glebo. Uh, he has, uh, yeah, I mean, quite a lot of international medals after, yeah, after, after I mean, collecting the last few championship, uh, some here and there. Um, and yeah, when he's in good form and he's motivated, he is a world-class runner. And it seemed like he was uh, motivated here in the middle distance. And he took a clear win, uh, one minute and 40 seconds ahead of Ferenc Jonas. And Timo Silvich was just outside the podium on the long distance. He takes the third place here. Um, yeah, but 1.45 behind Ruslan Glebov. So quite big gaps in a short, short middle distance. The winning time was only 29 minutes. So therefore, we shouldn't really expect bigger, big gaps. So in 29 minutes winning time, when you're two minutes out of Timo Sil, that's a very, very, very good result. And we saw also behind that the gaps were quite big with Solberg in fourth place and Adam Jonas in fifth place. Uh, being yeah, Jonas is four minutes down almost. So yeah, the gaps are big and that's... Uh, that's often a sign of a, a good performance by the winner. Uh, yeah, and we note uh, that uh, there are some Norwegians, some uh, Finnish runners there and some Czech runners uh, who may be doing some uh, trainings uh, uh, for the Europeans. So, yeah, we could not uh, expect everyone has been uh, recovering uh, very much for the races, but uh, even though we are noticing the results. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know with these kind of races, like who has been training. For example, on Saturday, there was a long-distance race, and then we don't know who was, uh, after the long-distance, who was out in the forest for a second orientation training and who was relaxing at home, preparing for the middle distance. So, yeah, I mean, we should never, we should always take these kind of results with a bit of uh, calm and, yeah, not don't read too much in it. Uh, but I think, uh, as I always say, it's it's never bad to do to do good running and to win races. Uh, no, and uh, there was, uh, yeah, actually uh, Japanese champs uh, this weekend. Uh, we can uh, only briefly go through the results there, but it was quite interesting terrain. 
Yeah, very interesting terrain. And also, so it was middle distance first and then long distance. And in the long distance, we had some, uh, yeah, some, 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 some very, very good international runners taking part, uh, both in the women's class and the men's class. So we get some, some kind of uh, reference uh, of the level of the Japanese runners at home ground. Um, so just in, in the middle distance, we're won by Hinako Inage in the women's class and Yuta Tanikawa in the men's class. Uh, and then in the long distance there, Hinako Inage took the second victory in women 21. And she was actually beating a very good runner like Mael Beauir. Oh, I never get this French name correct. Mael Beauir or something like that. Uh, with two and a half minutes. And Mael is a very, very good runner with, uh, yeah, with a lot of solid results internationally in World Cup and Championships. Um, so when, yeah, when she gets beaten by the Japanese runner, that's, uh, I think that says a lot that the Japanese runners, they are, they are, they are good. Uh, and so also in the men's class where Yu Hiroka is beating Ricardo Scalea with more than two minutes. And the gaps behind them are quite big. So it's not like Ricardo Scalea have done a very, very bad race or anything like that. He's still far, far ahead of all the others, but he's beaten by two minutes. So yeah, the Japanese runners, they are, they are not bad at all. And of course, in home terrain, um, they are probably, or they are, of course, more competitive in Japanese terrain than they are in European terrain. But yeah, and then when we come to the terrain, that's that's the main thing for me this uh, with this Japanese championship. I remember last year it was really cool, and also this year, really cool as expected, both terrain and courses, uh, and especially the long distance. Uh, I'm not sure if the course, the long distance course, will be able to make it in the top ten of the World of Wool course of the year. Probably not, uh, but I definitely think it deserves a nomination. And I expect to see at least one of the longer legs in the route to Christmas because there were some. Yeah, really, really tricky to see what's the best option uh, when you're looking at it. Uh, so yeah, very, very nice. And I, I would recommend people to go into LiveLocks and find Japan and look for the courses there because, uh, especially the long distance course, uh, look really, really good. Uh, you know, uh, it was uh, World Champs uh, back uh, in uh, 20 years ago, back in uh, 2005 uh, in Japan, and. Um... It's quite a long uh, journey. Uh, maybe I told uh, before in this podcast, but uh, there was one guy in the Norwegian team uh, uh, who was uh, traveling all the way to Japan, and he was only selected for sprint, and he did not qualify for the final. So he uh, traveled to Japan, uh, running the qualifier in the sprint, and he was knocked out there. And uh, he was uh, running uh, halfway through the world, uh, running for a... Uh, 15 minutes and then he was out. Uh, should we mention his name? Yeah, I mean, uh, I was uh, very young and I think, yeah, the World Champs in 2005 was one of the first World Championships I was really aware of and I was kind of following. Uh, but yeah, I don't remember the name. Uh, it was uh, Tore Sandvik. Um, he was out uh, there in the qualifier. But uh, yeah, uh, Tore Sandvik is a really good uh, orienteer. So, uh, He's the man who has got the most uh, Tio Miller victories, but uh, that's another story. Uh, there was also some other stories this weekend. It was uh, this uh, Swiss championship in uh, team orienteering, there where you have uh, three girls or three guys uh, uh, running and collecting uh, the controls. Uh, uh, yeah, you are planning and then you're 
collecting the controls fastest as possible. Isn't that uh, correct in some uh, way? Yeah, so basically you have a normal orienteering course uh, and you have three runners and only one SI badge. Uh, so the idea is you need to bring the SI badge through the course and control the controls as fast as possible. Uh, so it takes some planning to do the changes in the fastest possible way. So you you know, you so the runners don't have to run too much time with the badge. So you can run shorter intervals with the, with the SI card and then you can run faster so it's a very interesting tactical race and uh, even if the courses were really long it was uh, it was quite close uh, so yeah pretty funny format of the competition uh, and definitely something else than just uh, a normal orienteering race yeah it was uh, uh, really close and uh, it's uh, if you look at the results it's uh, uh, advantage to um, have a close relation uh, also in the team yeah, so in the women's class, uh, Will Simmerberg took the victory. No surprise with the with the three sisters, uh, Julia, Lily, and Paula Gross, or Julia Jakob as she's called now after she's been married. Uh, so, but yeah, it was a close battle. Uh, they were only fifty seconds ahead of uh, Bill Selan with Simone Ebersold and the two sisters, uh, Joanna and Joel Velti. Uh, and also in third place, they were yeah two and a half minutes down, so it was a quite close race uh, with with five teams within four and a half minutes, so over a winning time of ninety minutes. So definitely, when you are running these, yeah, when you can change the runners all the time, the difference in speed are getting smaller, and the differences in orienteering gets also smaller because most of the time when you're not running with the SI card, you have time to prepare how to run to your control and do it fast and secure. Uh, so it's yeah, not a lot of mistakes happening. Uh, in the immense class, we saw the yeah the reigning champion defending the title, Uwe Regiwil, with Daniel Hubman, Martin Hubman, and Janis Hutzli, uh, the same guys that won the Swiss champs in relay this year. And yeah, they were big, big favorites before, and they took the victory with almost four minutes out of uh, uh, Asti Ticino with Tobia Fasati and the two brothers Elia and Manuela Ren. And then in third place, we had uh, Barcelona with Yannis uh, Schönlebe, Christoph Meyer, and Tino Pasini, just edging out Biel Selan with 10 seconds. So, yeah, I mean, you're all around, you're running for 90, 95 minutes, and you see some of the other teams on the way. Uh, but it's quite hard to know exactly how you're doing, but still very, very close in the end. Uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, we will never. Uh... And uh, talking about the age of Daniel Hubman, but he is almost 20 years uh, older than uh, his uh, teammates, Yannis uh, Hutzil. Yeah, but uh, Daniel Hubman, he's, he's mentally very young, so, you know, that's not a problem. Yeah, a babyface assassin, as we ca- called him in uh, Kristiansson uh, Orienteering Club when he was running there. Uh, one guy, he is not uh, an assassin yet, but... Uh, he has been doing quite well uh, this season, uh, Thomas Khivda. I will call him a breakthrough guy internationally this year. Uh, do you agree on that, uh, Ivo? Uh, both yes and no. I mean, he's been getting closer and closer to the top uh, for every year. Uh, but he's still, I, I think he's still missing the last piece uh, to be like a, the big, big breakthrough. I mean, he's been, of course, top six at the... Uh, at the world champs was it fourth place at the long distance 
Uh, yeah. So I mean that's really really good, uh, but still he's missing the medal. He's missing the the big win internationally, as we saw Janis Bornek. He got the World Medal and the World Cup win this year. So yeah, uh, I think Chip uh, is getting close to to his big break, but uh, it's not there yet. And um, even though we uh, took a talk with him, and uh, there we can hear what uh, what is his uh, big goal. Uh, coming years and how he has become uh, so such a stable uh, runner in the top elite internationally uh, listen here carefully even national orienteering podcast uh, have uh, reached out uh, to uh, Thomas Krivda uh, one of the guys who really got the name on the uh, big res- result list uh, this season. Uh, uh, hello, Thomas. How are you doing in uh, the autumn? Uh, in a bit off season. Hello. Uh, it's it's really nice to be part of the podcast now. Thank you for the in- invitation. Uh, the autumn is uh, yeah. I'm I ca- I'm kind of happy that it's already uh, done. Uh, it's it's finished because I was uh, struggling a bit with some injuries during the especially second uh, half of the year. So so I'm really happy I, I managed to uh, finish the season quite well and uh, now enjoying uh, some weeks off uh, on my vacation. Yeah, you, uh, you are allowed to have some uh, weeks off uh, because, uh, yeah, I will I will call. Uh, you, had, you had kind of a breakthrough uh, internationally this season. Uh, and uh, we we are will uh, dig into what's what's the secret behind this uh, success? Uh, anything you will pick out uh, yourself? Uh, it's it's always uh, really hard to say. Uh, uh, what's the exact thing? Uh, what stands behind uh, successes? But uh, I don't think it's anything really that special in my case. I, I think I was just. Uh, quite consistent in my training during the last two or three years uh, since I started taking the training a bit more seriously. So uh, I think that just uh, uh, showed uh, showed up uh, now this year uh, in the races that I was maybe a bit more competitive with the with the best guys. Uh, even though, of course, it's uh, yeah you're you're always trying to be better and better every year. So uh, even if the results this year were obviously they were quite good, I think, uh, but it still feels after the season that there is uh, more to come and uh, there is still space for some improvements. Uh, so I'm still not 100% uh, satisfied. Uh, I think that would be maybe not so good to be to, to, to just say that I'm 100% sure and that wouldn't motivate me for upcoming work, but uh, yeah, I think just consistent uh, work in training and uh, just being very motivated to to fight with the Casper, Matthias, and all the be- all the best guys. It doesn't uh, keep me calm when I'm uh, being de- defeated in the in the races. Yeah, you uh, you see you're saying that it's more to come. Uh, what do you do to get some uh, even more? Uh, uh... Uh, spice on the cake uh, to uh, use that, those words for next season. Uh, yeah, it's of course I will have to uh, think about it a bit more. What what to do for the 
for the next season but uh i mean right now i'm i'm very motivated for the for the next season because i saw that uh, this year uh, i i made another big step forward so i think i will want to stick with with the things i was doing uh, last uh, winter and last year during my preparation so I, I will probably want to do very similar things just improve each bit of it and i will i will hope that it's gonna uh, work also for the next year and i can be even even better next year uh, do you do anything uh, uh, do you twist training towards sprint uh, or, uh, or or if you do that uh, what, what is it uh, then that you're twisting on uh, uh to be honest i'm i i, I don't really uh, like sprints that much maybe even even if my uh, results, uh, good results are quite often from sprint disciplines. So I, right now I'm thinking like, I would like to uh, stay uh, just like uh, all round runner for the next year as well. I don't probably want to switch all the way to the sprints. So uh, it's, I mean, it, it's very, very hard to, uh, make these decisions uh, because of course if if you want to uh, win the medals uh, then you probably should uh, change the training at least a bit which i will probably do in the very last weeks uh, before the races but i think at least for the winter preparation i would like to stay uh, or i would like to do the training which is as good as for sprints as uh, and as good for for the forest races because i think anyway like the sprint world champs next year and uh, and the forest uh, european champs are just some weeks uh, apart of each other so i think if i just do the basic training uh, during the preparation i can then just uh, do the last uh, tapering for uh, each sprint and uh, forest races, and I, I hope that's gonna work well. So you have a focus on both uh, the world uh, champs in Scotland and the European champs in Hungary. Yeah, that that's exactly like like that. Uh, I think, of course, uh, I can't uh, because I think like now in the Czech team, I can't decide to uh, skip some of the championships i think i should uh, do basically all the uh, international races because we don't have probably as big depth in the team so uh, i think it's uh, kind of required for the best runners to run all the races so uh yeah i, I think i just I, yeah i want to try I, I just want to try to be as good in uh, all the races during the year uh, but uh, as you're talking now, uh, you may look at the possibility to to get a medal uh, larger, uh, to get a European champs medal than a world uh, champs medal. Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, like this year, the uh, this or like last autumn, I set uh, goals for the season 2023, and uh, one of one of the goals was to be able to fight for the medals at the long distance world championship in Switzerland. And the second goal was uh, 
to be highly competitive with the best runners uh, throughout the whole season. Uh, so I, I think it's possible to uh, be fighting for uh, for the medals and uh, as, as well as uh, being highly competitive in the all disciplines during the year. So that's just uh, what I believe in and I will want to do it also uh, next season. So yeah, just hopefully running very strong in the sprint and in the uh, forest as well. Uh, yes, you're, uh, you succeeded with that goal, uh, uh, the, the season we have behind us now. And uh, about that, uh, you were definitely compet- uh, competitive uh, towards a World Champs medal. Uh, it ended, uh, you ended at, at uh, fourth place there after Ole Oyano showed up as a ghost from nowhere almost. He, it was not so much focus on him during his race. Uh, uh, and I could, uh, yeah, I could feel your disappointment there. Uh, uh, for how long uh, did that uh, last? And uh, when did you, could you look back on that as a success? Uh, to be honest, uh, I mean, of course, it may have looked like, like I was disappointed in the finish. But uh, even though I was uh, aiming to be this high in the reset list uh, before the race, I don't think it was a disappointment at uh, any point of the of the race or yeah behind the uh, after the race. I think I was just very satisfied with the race I had, and uh, of course, it, at at some point it already looked like I can uh, get uh, the the first uh, Czech uh, male uh, long distance medal from the World Champs, but. Uh, at the same time, I was very happy for Oli because I think he, he deserved it uh, a lot. He was on a way higher level than me the, the previous months and uh, years. So yeah, it was just also very nice to see Oli reaching for the medal. And uh, for me, it's just, I think it would have been so easy to, to get the medal already there. Uh, now it, uh, it, uh, it uh, gave me so much more motivation. So it's just, it, it was just really good to see myself uh, running uh, among the best runners. But uh, now I just know what to do maybe better because even that race wasn't uh, that perfect. So uh, just just a really good uh, mark what, uh, what I'm capable of and, uh, and also yeah, it's told me what I should do better for for the for the following races. So I'm I I was taking that that uh, result as a big uh, uh, big surprise, and I, I was very happy for that result already already from that day. It wasn't like there was some disappointment. Uh, so you you satisfied uh, being there uh, up amongst uh, Oyano Svansk. Uh... A bit behind uh, Fossa and uh, Kibbutz, but even though... Uh, so now you're in position. Uh, th- then I'm uh, calling from what you're saying now that uh, the first uh, male uh, Czech medal in uh, long distance uh, can uh, come in Finland in uh, 2025. 20, uh, That's a goal for you. Yeah, that would be really nice, of course. Uh... But at the same time, I I need to stay realistic. I think even though uh, I was I was younger than I will be in Finland, uh, but 
in Switzerland, the terrain uh, suited me much more than, than the terrain will suit me in Finland, I think. Even though it's uh, it's quite hard to say right now because, of course, I'm running for the Finnish club, uh, which will help me a lot uh, with the preparation for the World Champs. But uh, I think, yeah, we can see it from all the results when the World Cups are in uh, Scandinavia that for us continental runners, it's it's so much more difficult to have a good results in uh, in Scandinavian terrains. So, of course, it's gonna be a big goal. Uh, I think long distance in Kuopio will be will be huge. Uh, so, yeah, I will want to prepare as much for that. But uh, it's it's really hard to predict uh, if if it's possible to make a medal there. At at least I I can't really say it right now if if I believe it's possible or not, I, I guess that's maybe maybe in some uh, maybe maybe after the World Cup next year we will know a bit more. But uh, I just don't want to say some strong words now about uh, uh, reaching the medal in two years and then just being way too behind uh, to at twenty twenty five. So uh, let's keep it for for this discussion for later. But of course, I will do my best to to be there. You like to speak in, uh, in the ways of uh, good results instead of uh, big words. Uh, but uh, can you look uh, so far uh, uh, that uh, to uh, world champs in Hungary? Is that uh, something that's in your uh, long-term goals? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. I think exactly like. The the world champs in Finland, it's uh, it's uh, closer now, and it's gonna be uh, yeah very very uh, great goal for me. But now a couple of months ago, when uh, world champs in Hungary were uh, released, that it's yeah it's gonna ha- happen in Hungary. Of obviously, like that has to be a goal number one uh, when it comes to like perspective of of uh, several years, because that's gonna be in terrains which will suit continental runners a lot it's it's quite close from uh, Czech Republic so I will be able to do a lot of training camps there uh, and yeah, I think I can be really strong in in those terrains so uh, yeah I, <laughs> if uh, some of the uh, strong run- runners are listening I hope they will be uh, aware of me and uh, they will be uh, scared of uh, me uh, in a couple of years in uh, Hungary. Uh, I think after your season uh, this year, uh, everyone is uh, aware of you. But you're talking about uh, close uh, to get uh, good uh, preparations for Hungary. Uh, you are living in Prague in Czech, but also running for Kalmarovsky in Finland. Uh, how much are you staying in Finland and, uh, and in, in Czech during uh, the season? Uh, any Any... Yeah, how is the traditional season for you as, for example, this year? Uh, so, yeah, I live in the military base in Prague, uh, which is uh, helping helping me a lot with the different uh, facilities. It's yeah, it's much easier uh, to to have a better recovery and have all the facilities close to where I live. Uh, but uh, I don't. Uh, I don't stay in Prague so much during the year. Uh, as now I'm uh, basically a professional runner, last one and a half year maybe. 
so I'm I'm uh, trying to be at uh, quite many training camps during the year. Uh, so my basic uh, year maybe looks like uh, I go to some longer physical uh, training camp in in the winter. Last year I was uh, I was in uh, Africa, in Kenya and Uganda for maybe yeah, I think it was a bit over two months. I think I will do about the same also this year. Uh, and then, yeah, in the spring, I do some training camps, uh, orienteering training camps with uh, both my national team and and Kalevan uh, Rasti uh, in Southern Europe. And then, uh, yeah, just racing uh, quite a bit in the in the season. Uh, and of course, always when there is a time, I, I try to go to Finland uh, to visit my, my Finnish club. Also, uh, yeah, one reason obviously just getting ready for the uh, relay uh, for for the relays like Tiomela Nukola, but also in mind with the yeah World Champs uh, in two years and uh, World Cup, and yeah, generally there are quite many uh, World Cup rounds in Scandinavia every year, so I think. Uh, it's it's uh, very beneficial to spend a lot of time in in Scandinavian trains uh, in general. So yeah, just trying to go there as often as possible. Uh, yeah, as often as possible. Um, I think it can be about uh, yeah six to eight weeks uh, every year. Uh, always like after the in the summer after the uh, second. Or like that, yeah. There is always uh, world champs in the beginning of of the summer, and then there is usually one more World Cup round in the summer. So after that uh, World Cup round, I usually try to go to Finland for uh, yeah for a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, it's it's every year a bit different. But yeah, just trying to spend uh, there as much time as possible and hoping it it will. Uh, make some differences uh, for the for the world, world champs in Finland in two years. But uh, after what you're telling now, uh, I could see that uh, yeah, you've uh, been a professional for one and a half year and uh, started uh, going to high altitude camps. Uh, that uh, maybe be, could be two uh, key points uh, that you have uh, increased your uh, level and performing in top uh, results internationally uh, do you agree on that yeah i, I think uh, it seems to be like that i mean it's we can see it uh, also uh, at uh, other athletes uh, not just in orienteering but in uh, other sports as well that uh, in endurance sport it uh, it's, it seems like uh, altitude training is is helping a lot it's always a bit difficult to say uh, yeah, straight after when you come uh, from the altitude, if if it really helped on or not. But uh, I mean, from the uh, yeah, just when I look at it uh, back now, uh, I think it has to uh, be helping yeah, quite a bit. Uh, as as yeah, my my uh, fitness is yeah going up every every year. So yeah, I believe it's a way to go, and uh, I will want to continue uh, with this approach. And I hope it can uh, bring me some more improvements in uh, in the future. 
Yeah, so uh, as far as I understand, then, then you're doing uh, mostly physical training uh, during the winter and then you have a, a good uh, block of uh, uh, orienteering technique uh, in the spring or late uh, winter to get into the uh, flow uh, before the season. Yeah, uh, I, I found this, uh, like it's working for me quite well that I don't have to do uh, that many orienteering sessions during the winter. At least I that that's what I'm thinking right now that I can basically afford to uh, do mostly just uh, running and physical training. Uh, let's say from November all the way until uh, end of February maybe, and then just starting starting with some uh, orienteering camps, just yeah, catching those such uh, sessions I missed. But still, I've never felt like. Uh, I, I was worse orienteer uh, in the beginning of spring or something. So I think, yeah, this works just fine for me. And I, I believe uh, I can continue with this one. Yeah. And then uh, the big uh, question is, uh, when will that uh, bring you uh, to uh, top of the podium in a World Cup race or to a World Champs medal? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I would like to answer you this question, but but uh, yeah, really hard to say. Uh, I think it's it's getting closer. Hopefully, uh, it, it's it's hard to say if it can be next year. I, I would really like to 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 reach the podium already next year, but I just believe uh, in uh, some uh, progress I, I I will make from 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 the basic training. I, I believe I can get better with every every month, every year. I'm just hoping to get better. I'm not trying to uh, fix myself to some specific uh, races and specific goals. I just want to uh, keep uh, making myself better with with uh, yeah, with the time. And I think it, it was uh, working last one or two years really well so i believe if i just continue doing the same i can i, I will be f for sure better also next year and if it's good enough for the podium i don't know but yeah that's not just up to me i will i i also need to wait until what other runners uh, will show and then yeah we can talk about the results but the only thing i'm focused on is just making the progress yeah, I see. And uh, you will start uh, working towards uh, 2024 uh, uh, now in a couple of weeks or uh, maybe in one week. Yeah, I'm right now in uh, India for like uh, almost three weeks, but I'm coming back uh, on Thursday now. Is it, I think it's like uh, 3rd of November. And uh, yeah, from from uh, then I will start my winter preparation for the next season. I will be maybe, uh, I think, like four weeks in Czech Republic, getting back to training, uh, doing the, yeah, doing some basic uh, running and, yeah, getting to some system. And uh, I think with the, uh, with the beginning of, of December, I will uh, go off to Africa and just go all in there and yeah, get ready for the season. Uh, that sounds good. Uh, we appreciate uh, that you had uh, some time to 
talk to us and then we will uh, with uh, excitement uh, follow your journey towards uh, top of the orienteering world thanks a lot uh, thomas to have uh, time to talk to uh, talk with us yeah thanks a lot the last part to go uh thomas khivda there uh, talking to us um any uh, takeouts from uh, there uh, any bullet points you have uh, uh made in your uh, notebook uh you know first of all i mean as an old guy conservative guy it always warms my heart to say to hear that the, the younger runners they are still preferring the forest races uh, so i mean thomas kilda he's a proper orienteer uh, and that's good to hear and i think it's uh, very interesting what he says about the altitude training um i mean it seems like he's been taking a step this year and i mean if he can continue taking physical steps he will get closer and closer and, and then yeah of course very interesting to say to hear him say that um, finland it's probably going to be hard to be competitive there because um, Scandinavian nordic terrain normally suits the nordic runners a bit better uh, and that he already has a uh, one eye on the the world champs in in Hungary in 27. I mean, he's still young, so it's it's makes sense to still have a long perspective and, and where you hear other older runners, they're basically just focusing on the next world championship. And so, yeah, I mean, we will see at the European championship in Hungary, that will be a nice taste of uh, which runners we can expect to be very, very yeah, good in the Hungarian terrain for the world champs in 27. And, Thomas Kivda is definitely one of the guys that should be should be competitive there. Uh, about Scandinavian terrain and um, continental terrain, uh, Thomas Bielor, uh, 20 years ago, he, he won the world champs uh, on home soil in uh, Switzerland. And uh, after that performance, he said that uh, the performance two years earlier for him uh, in Finland, when he was number five, it was as good as the World Cup vic- uh, World Champs victory two years later in home soil. So that, that was uh, the way he put it uh, in words. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, you never know. It's not a um, statistical matter or mathematics, this one. But uh, it uh, is uh, putting it in, it in perspective, at least. Yeah, um, but I, I, I also kind of feel that Thomas is underplaying his chances in Finland. I mean, he... Yes, very, very good possibilities to prepare running for Kalman Rasti. Uh, he's already been doing some really, really good relay legs uh, in Timil and Jukola against very, very good Scandinavian runners. So I, I will not be surprised if he's, uh, yeah, even if he's winning a medal in, in, in Finland. And I definitely expect him to be fighting for a top results there, uh, even if it will be harder than it would have been if it was a continental terrain. Yeah, uh, but uh, when do you think he will uh, get his uh, first uh, World Cup victory or uh, World Champs medal? Should you? Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Um. Well, I'm I'm going on a limb and saying that he's going to win a medal at the European Champs next year, um, and then maybe the medal at World Champs has to wait until uh, until in, until Hungary 27. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Of course, uh, he's also a very key member of the Czech sprint relay team. So, I mean, the medal in relay can come already next year. Um, we have now uh, past October and uh, going into November. Um, 
And then we have to pick uh, Orientero of the month in uh, October, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, there's two uh, two main candidates. Uh, no surprises. Uh, Matthias Kubert and Tuvalis Andersson. Both of them won two gold medals and took one silver at the European Championship in in uh, Italy and they both secured the overall World Cup. Uh, so choosing between them, I've gone for Matthias as he won two individual goals. And yeah, I feel that the individual goals are always weighted a bit ha- uh, heavier than uh, the relay gold medals. Uh, so Matthias Kubo is the, is the orienteering runner of the month in October 2023. Uh, actually, I saw in the Austrian Federation that uh, Matthias Kubot's coach will have a, a lesson there uh, for the Austrians. Uh, uh, and I, of course, I tried to go in and enter for that uh, lesson, but you need to have some uh, Austrian uh, login and entry uh, opportunities there. So it was not possible for me, but uh, uh, definitely interesting to hear his uh, coach uh, talk about uh, his and his brother Andreas training uh, uh, to become uh, world stars in orienteering. Uh, yeah, and he's been he's been around for around them for a long, long time. I don't remember exactly when they started working together, but it's uh, he's been he's been there for for the whole ride. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, and we will also be riding again uh, next week. Uh, uh, then we will talk about. Uh, you will also go in the. Racing suit again, I suppose, as you were in the team uh, competition in Switzerland when uh, it's a Swiss Grand Slam final the coming mm-hmm. weekend. Luckily, uh, you have to qualify for that, so I'm, I will not take part. My season is over, and now I need uh, yeah, a little bit of rest before I'm, um, I'm starting training for next year. Uh, so, yeah, I will be just uh, watching the Swiss Grand Slam final. Uh, it's always this kind of funny format where you have. I think it's this year it's going to be a forest, uh, one forest stage and then two sprint stages. So it's like a lot of races and you count points uh, and then there's a final uh, chasing start normally. So, and the winner is the guy to finish first. So normally quite funny race to follow. Uh, it used to be GPS tracking, also some streaming maybe. Uh, so that's something I will be spending my Saturday on. Uh, will you be there on site? Uh, it depends on the weather. I'm uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit uh, lazy now after a, after a long long autumn season. You you need to get up on the toe when you're a new uh, junior coach uh, in Switzerland and go out and talk with the juniors uh, who are performing quite good. And uh, I I still remember first time I spoke with a junior national team coach coach when I was a junior. So you need to show show your face and do a good uh, job early in the. In the appointment, you know. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll see. I don't. It's it's not that many juniors that are running this Grand Slam anyway. It's I think it's the best six uh, elite runners in both men and women, and then the best three juniors. And yeah, most of those juniors they will they will not be in the they will not be in in my junior team next year because they are getting too old. Okay, okay, I understand. Um, but also in the next episode, we uh, have a, uh, we will have a talk uh, with Sanna Grossberger, who uh, was uh, performing uh, really good in the Europeans in Italy. And we will uh, see if she can tell us some secret and uh, how she has become such a 
fast runner and uh, doing some clinic clinical orienteering in the streets of Italy and uh, maybe what she, she will be up to the, in the winter to become uh, even better uh, so uh, then we should uh, only um, yeah shout out that you you will be listening to us also next week yeah uh, I think uh, this is the this is the last really really long episode we will put out uh, in a long time so hopefully you could stand with us for for more than one hour, uh, but yeah, luckily you got to to hear a great interview with Thomas Kivda. So you hopefully you're not tired of our voice, and you will be back next week. Yeah, stay tuned. Bye bye. Mannen drar ut och löper orientering Med kart och kompass och med räktiga sko Sikta sågar är det bästa notering För kroppen var lätt och god I vår national orientering podcast Mapping compass, navigation skill Orientering competition Jag har mött nog jävligt på på bostad Running like a motherfucker I vår national orientering podcast